in the summer with a teenage diplomat In the dumps with the mumps as the adolescent pumps his way into his hat With a boulder on my shoulder feeling kind of older I trip the merry Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff and this is episode 231 of Corruption, Crime and Compliance And our episode today is an update on SEC proposals to adopt new rules governing climate change and cyber incident reporting. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Hope uh, you're staying healthy, safe, and again, uh, it's it's really hard to watch uh, uh, the suffering in Ukraine, and we hope that uh, things turn better for the uh, Ukrainians and uh, beating back the offense of uh, the unprovoked invasion of uh, Ukraine. Anyway, today I wanted to uh, turn towards um, the SEC, and not for FCPA reasons, um, but uh, the SEC has been quite active. And as a matter of fact, they're very busy these days. Uh, We have aggressive enforcement going on. We have new rules and regulations. And obviously, they have to wrestle with the burgeoning cryptocurrency industry. And uh, there are a bunch of the two most significant actions that the SEC took recently. And I want to go through those are the climate disclosures and uh, climate change disclosures and also cyber incident reporting. So let's start first with... Uh, the more recent action, which was the climate change. Um, And look, the SEC is going to play a key role, uh, and it's been promising this in rolling out sort of appropriate regulation for environmental, social, and governance initiatives. And a key part of the agenda, which they've made very clear, is their long-promised regime mandating disclosure of climate-related risks greenhouse gas emissions, and related financial regulations. The SEC's proposal, if enacted, will be one of the most significant regulatory additions to public company disclosure requirements. So on March 21st, uh, 2022, the SEC adopted uh, and proposed a comprehensive set of regulations that would give companies a standardized framework to communicate climate-related risks and the measurement of these risks. The proposed regulations would broadly apply to domestic and foreign registrants and replace voluntary disclosures that have been made in recent years with a format for future disclosures. Many companies, as you know, already make climate-related disclosures, but the SEC's new regime would impose a prescriptive set of rules governing uh, such disclosures in an attempt to sort of standardize uh, the reporting. Uh, The proposal is controversial, and it's going to run into uh, opposition. Court challenges are likely to occur, and it may be years before a final climate-related disclosure regime is implemented. Many opponents contend that the regulatory requirements are not commensurate with the risk, and the burdens that the new uh, regulations would impose. So companies would have to include climate issues in their periodic reports and registration statements. The climate uh, disclosures would be required outside the financial statements. In other words, there's inside financial statements and outside. The gap rules, to the extent their financial accounting issues, would not be amended to address uh, 
climate-related risks. Companies would have to provide a quantitative and qualitative set of disclosures, including one, climate-related risks, two, uh, estimates and calculations as to greenhouse gas emissions, and three, climate governance, governance over uh, the issue and the risks. With respect to the financial statements, the new rules would require specific disclosures in footnotes relating to severe weather events and natural conditions, the financial impact of transition activities from, let's say, uh, uh, you know, gas house, uh, em- I mean, greenhouse uh, ed- emission- emissions and reductions, um, and how you would transition to that. Expenditures to mitigate risks of severe weather events and natural conditions and key assumptions incorporated in the analysis. The disclosure regime will require detailed explanations of the impact of climate change all the way to a line item calculation triggered by, and this is another part of the controversy here, they have triggered by a 1% immaterial threshold, meaning if there's an impact of the risk that's above 1% of the uh, immaterial threshold, then uh, you would have to disclose that. Whether that threshold is met, the company will be required to undertake a comprehensive analysis. So you can imagine the issues that are going to come about with regard to materiality or not. The SEC set out then some specific areas of inquiry under each of the relevant risks. For climate-related risks, companies would have to make comprehensive disclosures whether the risks occurred in physical or transitional periods and were reasonably likely to occur over the short, medium, and long term. Such disclosures would have to include the methodology employed to identify, assess, and manage climate-related risks. And as part of this effort, companies will have flexibility to define the relevant period for analysis and evaluation of the impact on the company's business and financial results. Now, with respect to greenhouse gas emissions, companies will be required to describe the methodology, inputs, and assumptions used to calculate greenhouse gas emissions. This calculation will depend on several categories, and they've set out three scopes. Scope one, which is direct admissions emissions by the company, Scope two is emissions from consumption of energy purchased from third parties. And uh, scope three is emission from the company's supply chain. Smaller companies would be exempt from scope three reporting and calculation requirements. And the SEC would require reporting targets and goals for greenhouse gas reduction and any other climate-related measures. Companies would provide data to confirm any progress toward reaching a goal or objective, including the amount of carbon offsets and credits that may be applied. Uh, Somehow providing transparency as to that would, uh, the SEC believes, uh, force companies not to rely as much on offsets and credits as a way to continue uh, certain levels of greenhouse gas emissions. Companies would have to identify any director with expertise in this area. Clearly, the SEC hopes that climate expertise would be a requirement for at least one director on a corporate board. Uh, The new rules would be phased in depending on the size of the business. Large filers would not be subject to the rules until 2024 filings for 2023 financial performance. Obviously, there are going to be vigorous challenges here. 
uh, one key area you can rest assured that the opposition will look at is the SEC's statutory authority to impose this new regulatory regime under its public interest standard. So that's uh, the climate-related disclosures. Uh, Now, also a few weeks earlier, two weeks earlier, uh, before that in early March, uh, the SEC proposed robust cyber incident reporting for public companies. And these, again, are proposed rules. And these, again, are going to be rules that will govern uh, disclosure of cyber incidents. It's unfortunate, you know, but Congress has always tried to come up with data breach regulations, how to handle this, requiring uh, notification of law enforcement, requiring public disclosures. uh, And they've never been able to get their act together in in enacting a bill. And uh, for that reason... Now, it seems like the SEC is going to fill that gap in with regard to public companies. So this is, um, you know, this, again, is another sort of, uh, I think, really important disclosure set of regulations. And the impact that it's going to have is going to be really uh, interesting. So the proposed rules impose some significant requirements. Public companies will face a new era of accountability on cyber risks. There's been a lack of consistency on how companies handle cyber incidents. Uh, The SEC is seeking to impose some basic requirements. Corporate boards, senior management, and and employees have to uh, be educated on these new requirements, and companies will have to build extensive internal controls surrounding disclosure obligations and management of cyber risks. In releasing the proposed rules, Chairman uh, Gary Gensler, who is obviously uh, busy, busy, described the SEC's intent is to require disclosure of information in a, quote, consistent, comparable, and decision-useful manner, close quote. There's no question the cyber risk continue to increase. No longer can companies rely on basic security practices and robust insurance policies to protect against significant financial and reputational outcomes. As a result, investors face significant exposure and the SEC is seeking to meet meet this gap with some basic requirements. The SEC's push on this issue will cause companies to review their cybersecurity and governance practices with an eye towards improvement and meaningful disclosure controls. And it's a welcome development. Companies have often patched together a framework for managing these risks, and a more comprehensive strategy is needed. The new rules broadly uh, address current reporting about material cybersecurity incidents, like a a data breach, and periodic reporting to provide updates about previously reported cybersecurity incidents. The proposal also would require periodic reporting about a company's policies and procedures to identify and manage cybersecurity risks, uh, the board of directors' oversight of cybersecurity risk, and management's role and expertise in assessing and managing uh, cybersecurity risk and implementing cybersecurity policies and procedures. The proposal would further require annual reporting or certain proxy disclosures about the board of directors' cybersecurity expertise, if any. So let's talk about the first sort of major issue and and, uh, is materiality and reporting. So the SEC is proposing to require companies to report cyber incidents by filing a Form 8K, 
within four days, four days of the incident occurring. This is a significant burden and requirement. A material cybersecurity event now has been added to the list of typical 8K reportable events. The new rule also provides comprehensive listing of what information should be included in the Form 8K filing, including 1. When the incident was discovered and whether it is ongoing. 2. A brief description of the nature and scope of the incident. 3. Whether any data was stolen, altered, accessed, or used for any unauthorized purpose. 4. The effect of the incident on the company's operations. And 5. Whether the company had remediated the incident or is in the process of doing so. The new rule replaces prior guidance that keyed disclosure uh, requirements to the uh, inc- to the date that the incident or the breach was discovered. Notice here it's from the date of occurrence, not from the date of discovery. So under the new rule, the four-day reporting requirement begins from the date the incident occurred, which is a significant change requiring robust monitoring and tracking of a company's cyber status. The new rule raises difficult issues surrounding potential breaches uh, involving ransomware attacks. At the same time, companies will have to establish a rapid but fulsome process for assessing materiality of a cyber incident. Cyber risks have a long list of potential consequences, including reputational damage, litigation costs, remediation and fines and penalties, In serious cases, the continued viability of the business may even be threatened. Even from a financial point of view, companies will have to assess the financial impact of the cyber risk exposure. And it is difficult, in my view, to reach such determination sometimes in the early stages of a cyber incident, given the lack of accurate information as to the full potential scope of a cyber incident. To date, most companies rely on insurance to protect the company from catastrophic results. But given the increasing impact, though, of cyber incidents, insurance may not be sufficient to mitigate those risks. Corporate boards and senior management will have to develop a systematic and predefined process for assessing the impact of cyber incidents and build disclosure obligations around this analysis. Now, companies may tilt the balance to non-disclosure based on a finding of immateriality, but run the risk of future SEC enforcement, shareholder litigation, and other civil uh, uh, investigations. In the face of significant impact, such a course would be risky and raise uh, serious governance and compliance concerns. Now, uh, the also, there's an expansion here of cyber disclosures uh, and in terms of the information that has to be provided. And this is sort of more on the general governance rules and the governance framework. Uh, the SEC's new disclosure rules stretch beyond cyber incident reporting to include like standardized disclosure of a company's cybersecurity risk management strategy and governance. Specifically, the SEC is proposing to, one, add item 106 to Regulation SK and item 16J of Form 20F to require a registrant to describe its policies and procedures for the identification and management of risks from cybersecurity threats, 
including whether the company considers cybersecurity as part of its business strategy, financial planning, and capital allocation. And two, require disclosure about the board's oversight of cybersecurity risk and management's role and expertise in assessing and managing cybersecurity risk and implementing the cybersecurity policies, procedures, and strategies. To this end, the SEC also proposed a new rule to target board member cyber expertise. Specifically, the SEC has proposed to amend item 407 of Regulation SK to require disclosure if any member of the corporate board has experience in handling cybersecurity issues or is an expert in the field. Such a requirement is analogous to disclosure of board members who possess financial expertise under the sort of Sarbanes-Oxley regime. Now, in reaching such a determination and disclosing board members' cyber expertise, the SEC outlined considerations and criteria to apply. One, whether the director has prior work experience in cybersecurity. Two, whether the director has earned a certification or degree in cybersecurity. Three, whether the director has knowledge, skills, or other background in cybersecurity. An interesting point to me is that uh, here it is, they're requiring disclosure of cybersecurity expertise. They also, uh, the SEC pointed uh, such disclosures out as important with regard to climate uh, disclosures, that uh, expertise by any board member in the climate uh, area and assessing risks and dealing with climate issues. Notice one that's not uh, required or not being pushed for is uh, what we many have long advocated, which is a board member with ethics and compliance experience and disclosure of that. And that would be, to me, an important issue and maybe an important tool to increase the number of board members who have prior ethics and compliance experience. And I, uh, I would wonder why that wouldn't be included as well in terms of uh, a basic set of controls and requirements and disclosures. Just, uh, just tooting the horn of our uh, compliance and ethics professionals who uh, I feel, you know, obviously should be uh, promoted in terms of board membership. Well, that's it. Uh, SEC is busy, busy, and uh, interesting, uh, interesting proposals. Uh, I think the cyber incident... Uh, Reporting can have some major impact in terms of uh, the rise in cybersecurity incidents, and we hear obviously a lot more of them. But uh, remember, it's key to materiality again. So that's an interesting, uh, interesting analysis that may occur. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, thanks for uh, listening for this week, and we'll talk to you next week with another episode of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com.
Don't do it. 